The Fail On Podcast, episode 008. 2012, I joined Genius Network, mm. Joe Polish's 25K yep. group. And at my very first meeting, they sat me next to Peter Diamandis mm. and Ray Kurzweil and Naveen Jain. <laughs> Crazy group. I was, yeah. I was like at the Genius table. Yeah. I was the dumbest person. <laughs> um, that was fun. Welcome to the Fail On Podcast, where we explore the hardships and obstacles today's industry leaders face on their journey to the top of their fields through careful insight and thoughtful conversation. By embracing failure, we'll show you how to build momentum without being consumed by the result. Now, please welcome your host, Rob Nunnery. Hey there, and welcome to the podcast that believes if you desire to create the life of your dreams, then embracing failure by taking urgent and bold action is the only way. Today, we are sitting down with Giovanni Marcico. He's the founder and president of Archangel Academy and The Gifted Entrepreneur, which is a coaching and mastermind organization that shares marketing, innovation, and revenue-generating strategies with big-hearted entrepreneurs all around the world. Giovanni's dream is to solve the world's biggest challenges like poverty and hunger by empowering other gifted entrepreneurs who want to do the same. We'll be discussing how he shifted from a life of chasing money and unfulfillment to a life of impact and bliss, how he plans on growing his Archangel Summit to over 10,000 attendees, and how first being an employee for a company that serves entrepreneurs was the absolute best way to get started in learning about business. And of course, much more. But first, to stay up to date on all the Fail On podcast interviews and key takeaways from each guest, simply go to failon.com and sign up for our newsletter at the bottom of the page. That's failon.com. All right. Hello and welcome to the Fail On podcast today. I'm sitting down with Giovanni Marcico. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Rob. So just for a little context, tell us about your entrepreneurship background. What 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 did you get started in when you first got into business? And then kind of take us through the timeline of then to what you're doing now. Awesome. So my first venture was when I was 16. And my best friend, Steve, and I used to go to parties for teenagers and dance parties. And we thought, we love this, but we can do something better. I don't remember, I have a vague recollection, but I couldn't believe how much we accomplished or were able to do at 16 years old. But we, our, our first event that we produced was in a banquet hall. So we were negotiating contracts at 16 and we managed to have a thousand people show up. No way. Which for a first time event at 16 years old nuts. is crazy. And it was That's not even for 16, it's nuts now. Yeah, it's nuts now. <laughs> Pre-internet, pre-social yeah. media, pre-cell phones. So, so how are you doing it? How are you getting the word out? We actually had an affiliate model, which is hilarious because we were we didn't know that's what it was, but we had friends in all kinds of different schools, and we said uh, we want you to sell tickets in advance. If people buy a ticket, they get a discount. So now there there's value there, and we'll give you a dollar per ticket you sell. That's awesome. So we had this crazy affiliate model before that was even a thing. Um, old school, and we had a thousand people show up to the first event, and it was one of the best days ever for us. That's so cool. And what were you charging for a ticket? <laughs> uh, 12 at the door and, and 10 if you bought Pre-paid. it. So you even have that model down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pay in advance, you get a discount. So you guys didn't do any of the promotion? You just had affiliates go do everything? Pretty much. We had an army of That's amazing. promoters. 
So, and their, their sole motivation was just getting a buck per. They would have done it for free because okay, so they like were buddies, right? Yeah. And, and the idea that they, they took ownership of the event as if it was their own. So they felt good saying, come to my party. Got it. Got it. So you, and you're okay with letting them take kind of ownership of it. It's all good. We're all partners in this kind of thing. Got it. Was that the first time somebody ever had given you money in exchange for something that you created? Yes. Okay, cool. What made you guys even think about doing it or wanting to do it? Like, were you, like, had you always looked for different ways to make money or? That was our first experience creating something for profit or for money or for yeah. exchange of value. Uh, I'm, I'm sure the seed was always there and we just felt this was the thing we could do. Nice. And is this something that you did year after year there on out? We did. Because you saw that it worked. You're like, let's, yeah, so, let's do this again. You know, uh, right after that, we planned our second event and it went really well. And then our third event, we got crushed. Oh, what happened? So we were renting banquet facilities or banquet halls and like giant restaurants and it worked. But there were also nightclubs in the city that would maybe one day a week or one day a month allow teenagers to throw parties. Got it. And on our third event, we were selling out. It was going really well, but then one of the huge clubs in the city was closing down and they were having a last party ever event and they promoted it two weeks before Ah. and completely crushed us. So we had to deal with failure at 17 years old on a bigger scale. How much did you guys end up losing on that? We managed to break even. Okay. So it wasn't necessarily like a huge financial failure, but it was... At that time, it was... It, was, it, w- it felt like it, though, because yeah. we would have had... You would have made a lot of money, right? right? And breaking even was basically a loss because you put a lot of time and effort in. Correct. Got it. Um, so how did... After that one, did you do any after that? Or were you oh, just... Oh, we kept like, going. You kept going? Gotcha. So, and how, how frequently were you were you hosting these things? During high school, it was probably two or three a year. Okay. And then after high school, when we got ourselves into nightclubs, um, like the biggest venue uh our biggest event had five thousand people inside a two thousand in line that couldn't get in because we were over capacity and that place we were doing weekly and so th- that's kind of your first world of entrepreneurship is hosting hosting events yeah. right and Produce, then, i've been an event producer my whole life i'm um it's it is one of my gifts to create immersive experiences i didn't understand it back then but it was, i was just so passionate about it and then you transitioned out of that to do, I know you did real estate. Is that what you went directly into or is there stuff in between? So in between, I, um, I eventually listened to my teachers and guidance counselors and parents who kept bugging me that this is not a real thing. You should go to school, get a job. And that's when, my, when, when I quit doing events to go back to university. That's when my depression started because I was not aligned. Um, but I went to university for... Uh, First engineering, and then I dropped out of that because I didn't want to be an engineer. But my guidance counselors would say, you know, get your engineering degree first, then get your master's in business, which was the programming they would put into every child. You know, it was terrible. I did go to business school. um, And after that, I had the best job, which was my last job ever, but it was running the marketing at Strategic Coach. Oh, nice. Dan Sullivan. Dan Sullivan, yeah. So I was there for four years, and it was life-changing. In what ways? Did you have exposure to Dan and like his teachings, his philosophies, all that stuff? Well, if you're entrepreneurial, having the opportunity to work at a place like that, being behind the scenes, seeing how teams are structured, seeing how operations work, all the accounting, all those kind of things, 
with, with a company doing really, really well, and then being exposed to the type of people that are clients there. So I volunteer to sit in every workshop I, they would allow me. That's awesome. That's smart. And for most people who were team members or employees, you know, five o'clock or whatever time the day Checking ends, out, they, would, they would go home yeah. and I would stay and go into the stock room where all the products were and read for hours. That's amazing. Because I was like, this is the best stuff ever. Yeah. And within that, so did you actually have the awareness when you were working there to actually start like, like you said, you could see how the business was run, right? Not necessarily on the client side, but you could see how marketing worked, how operations ran, how customer support ran, all of that. Did you actually have the awareness to to soak all that in and see how, okay, this is how Dan runs a company from the inside? It was the best entrepreneurial school ever. Hmm. And I part of me felt like I was cheating because clients were paying a lot of investing a lot of money to be clients there. And I was making a lot more than that to sit in the same rooms and to learn and be behind the scenes. I think it's one of the best ways to get into entrepreneurship without just jumping in. You know what I mean? Like going to work for a company that you find really interesting that you can, it's a small team, right? He's not, he doesn't have a huge company in terms of like 500,000 employees. At the time it was 120. All in Toronto. Yeah. So small enough to where you can have exposure to almost every department, right? But I think it's one of the best ways that I don't think people do it often enough, right? They're working at a job they don't really like and not really learning anything for it, from it. And you you said, I'm going to I'm gonna go find a place. Did, did you do it by chance or did was it strategic that you went to work there, that you it knew was, you wanted to learn from it? No, it was complete serendipity. I was, I spent the entire summer applying for jobs online through... Workopolis and whatever other job sites there are and struggling and no one would even respond to my uh, resumes. And then I saw the ad for a strategic, I had no idea what the company was. I had no exposure to them. I just thought this is really cool. And I thought I had to do something different. So instead of sending a resume, I sent an ad for myself promoting why they should, why I'm aligned with them. And within 45 minutes, they called me saying, we've had over 500 resumes for this position. You're the only one we want, like just come in right away. Had you done that? create an ad for yourself for other jobs is because you wanted this job so much because you right. you agreed with the message so much. Correct. And I wanted to do something different to get noticed. Yeah. But only for this one because this is one that really spoke to right. you. Got it. Okay. And you say you worked there four years? Four years. And then after, so after, obviously you're soaking up a lot of knowledge, learning a lot, reading a lot, learning a lot from Dan. What made you want to leave? Or what was the catalyst that made you leave Strategic Coast? The year I, I joined or the year they hired me was 2002, and that's when I got married. And then I left in 2005, the year my son was born. And I realized, I was—I always knew I was entrepreneurial and I wanted to do something big. And I thought at the time, if I don't start something now because my son is born, I'm always going to have that excuse, well, I got to pay the bills. And So I, I took a huge leap and left to start marketing and consulting that year. And then... As like a, just marketing consultant? Yeah. Like, got it, okay. And that grew, but... Uh, things were not working in the relationship. And it got worse and worse and worse. In your marriage? Correct. I mean, okay, I see. Um, and then by the end of 2007, the marriage failed. And I fell into a huge, deep depression. So I couldn't run the business. And the business took a, a huge hit that year. It took me a few months um, to get through that darkness. There was even a point where I was considering suicide. Um, and then just having the right friends around me to, to help me out and, and 
things turned around and then from that point everything's been an upswing. Nice. What was it? Is there anything you can like outside of just your friends helping you? Is there anything you can? I know it's a, probably a dark place to go to. That's okay. But what? What specifically was it able to get you out of that? For because I'm sure there's people listening that are probably in a similar some similar position. So what was it? What was it for you that was able to get you out of that place? I, well, the you know March 27th 2008 was the day I sat at a Quiznos around the corner, close to here. Sure. Um, for three hours contemplating what I should do. And the, at the time, it was my son that was the huge factor. This, I, I can't do this to him. And then after that, I, I was in a depression. I went to see a, uh, my family doctor who prescribed antidepressants. That same day, I had a meeting with a, a client of mine for marketing coaching. He was a good friend, uh, Chris Simpson, who's a fitness guy. And he saw my face that day. And, he, and before we even got into our meeting, he said, what? What the hell's wrong with you? And I explained things to him. And then he's like, oh, let me see. Because uh, I had just filled the prescription. I hadn't taken any pills yet. He said, oh, can I see those? And he picked it up and he's staring. And he's like, oh. And then he literally whipped them in the garbage. And he said, get your ass out there. Into the, and he had a gym. Yeah. And it was that moment and then the fitness aspect that really helped me get through it. Because, um, you know, the release of endorphins and dopamine and all those fun yep happy uh, hormones and that really helped and then it helped me get to the point where i can have the confidence to keep going and building and um, just kind of the slow progression of you know you don't go to the gym and get ripped in one day don't. so was it kind of the thought process of like okay i'm not going to go from zero to 100 today but i'm taking the first step right along the and that was kind of like a parallel with your with your mindset and your kind of shift in terms of being in a rut to knowing that you're not going to change everything right now, but you're going to take the first step. Correct. Got it. It was amazing. Okay. And then once, so once you got out of that funk, what did you start doing professionally? So I was still doing the marketing. Okay. Coaching. And then a year later, one of my clients was a friend of mine who was in the real estate space in Toronto, um, selling pre-construction condos to investors. And with my marketing help, her business blew up. And then she said, uh, why don't you partner with me? You do all the marketing, I'll do all the sales because you're really good at this. And then her real estate commissions were a lot larger than my <laughs> consulting fees. Sure. So I thought, yeah, that sounds good. Um, and then a year later, her uh, and her husband got pregnant and she realized I can't be signing deals if I'm at home breastfeeding. Mm. Get your license. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. I didn't want to be an agent. So right. I, I, we did that and we did really, really well, but the entire time I was not happy. Um, I never wanted to do real estate. It was just kind of fell into it and the right. money was good. Yeah. And that, and I fell into that trap of, and it was hard to get out cause you wanted to keep the money coming in, right. but you knew you weren't aligned. Right. And it got worse and worse. Um, so depression and I gained a lot of weight. Another cycle almost. Right. So in a different way, but sure. Sure. Um, so what year, what year did you start in real estate and when did you get to the point where you were so unhappy that you decided to do something else? 2009, I started. Um, by 2010, we were already on the radar of being, you know, in the top of that niche. So you guys grew really fast. Right. Um, 2011, I joined Strategic Coach as a client, which mm. was a big deal for me because that was, you know, the first employee to leave. Full circle, right? And come back as a client. It's awesome. Um, 
2012, I joined uh, Genius Network, mm-hmm. Joe Polish's 25K yeah. group. And at my very first meeting, they sat me next to Peter Diamandis mm-hmm. um, and Ray Kurzweil um, and Naveen Jain. <laughs> Crazy group. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was like at the Genius table. Yeah. I was the dumbest person. <laughs> um, that was fun. But sitting next to Peter, talking about you know creating impact to change the world, that kind of conversation, I had an, the idea for my Archangel project. At the same time, I started real estate, but I realized I should do this thing to get the money. And that was the path I took. And looking back, it was still the right decision because, because it led me the, to yeah, it led me to finance. Money. Correct. So so. Peter Diamandis planted the seed, or you already had the seed, but he kind of brought it back to life to where you're like, at the at the time, my thinking was, um, by 2016, when I turn 40, I'm going to start my Archangel project. Mm. Until then, I'll do real estate and build up my wealth and yeah, yeah, and and experience. But after that day, I said I can't wait. Mm. He lit something like a a a flame, and then on the flight home, I I started journaling what the project would look like, and launched Archangel a year later almost as a side project to the real estate but the more you know my analogy was it felt like I was in a marriage of convenience with the real estate and not happy and living in black and white and then Archangel was finding my soulmate in color um, and it lit you up right so what what did Archangel look at look look like at that time when you're just kind of conceptualizing what you're going to build what was what was kind of your vision for it back then? Yeah, so uh, ironically, it, there was a parallel to my parties. Mm. I we produced our first event because we kept going to other events that were fun but weren't like we wanted to create the party we wanted to attend. Got it. Archangel became creating an entrepreneurial tribe and mastermind and event that I wanted to attend and the group I wanted to be a part of that didn't exist. Yep. So that's how I started curating right from the beginning. It. it started off as just an annual. Um, so you started off kind of like like you did back when you were sixteen. Right. I'm going to put together an event, probably the same model too. Exactly the same model. <laughs> I'm going to find affiliates to go sign people up. Yep. that's awesome. And uh, so, so that first year, that was what 2016, 15, 2014 was 2014. Our, our first. Got it. We did some smaller events in Toronto, and then realized I wanted to do something bigger, um, where people would fly in from everywhere. And no, I wanted it to be in January. And realized no one's going to fly to Toronto in January. <laughs> That's a good point. So we picked Los Angeles as our our center, and then we did our first event. Had a hundred and something people. It was amazing, and, and kept doing it. So we just finished our fourth annual this year. Yep, and that was also in LA. Correct. And how big has it grown now that it's in its fourth year? The we kept the size of of the number of people the same. Yep. We just every year the the price quality. tag has gone up, and the quality so of the, the attendees has gone it's up. Very highly curated right. group then. Okay. And I, I think I saw last year that you, you held, was it Archangel Summit? Was it something else that you held in Toronto? So I made a big decision over a year ago to quit real estate and put all my energy into Archangel. And that afforded me the time to, and energy to invest in bigger things. So last year we launched our first public event, which was Archangel Summit. In September, we had 1,500 people. Um, and the whole thing was a fundraiser where we are, we've been allocating and donating the profits um, to different charities. So we, we had like 50,000 for Change Heroes to build the schools, 50,000 room to read to build schools. We've just partnered with WE, which is a, a huge organization that's based out of Toronto that does these big events. Um, 
and also build schools. I'm a big fan of education. And it looks like this year we'll have 3,000 people at the summit. And the, the goal is by 2020 to have 10,000 people mm. at the Air Canada Center. Arena, right? right? Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so you said last year you finally cut ties with real estate, right? What was the catalyst? Uh, was it that Archangel was doing so well that you had the resources to to let real estate go? Or what was kind of the driving force be- between you and like leaving that behind? Yeah, we grew Archangel to a point where it could happen. But it's more about the relationships and the platform that we had built and the network. Um, and it was still, you know, like still making good money in real estate. Sure. But I realized there are currencies way more important than money. Yeah. And I was way overweight and depressed and not happy. Yep. And as soon as I quit real estate, I lost 60 pounds. I'm in complete alignment now. I'm in an amazing relationship now. Uh, my whole life is flipped around. Just purely by leaving real estate. That's something that was not in alignment, essentially, right? right? Um, and you had known for a while that real estate wasn't your thing, or did you come to all this realization after you had left? I, I, it took me a few years to realize it, and then the last two years were really difficult because I knew it, and I knew I had to make a change, but I was afraid of the change, I guess. Sure. No, that's fair. Um, so within within everything that's going on, you've had struggles as early as 17 when you're you know launching these launching these conferences or launching these events um out of all of the struggles along the journey um including the depression and all of the tough spots you've been in if you have to pinpoint kind of like a moment in time that you have to think back on that makes you go man like i wouldn't be here if that hadn't happened to me what would you say that is there's so many of those yeah uh, Something that did happen to me, uh, it was after our second annual Archangel Mastermind event. A couple of days later, I was driving in my car and I had this experience because prior to this, I had a lot of panic attacks. So I knew what that felt like. And then on that day, I had the opposite. It was like every positive emotion flooding through me like a a bolt of electricity. And I I, I can only explain it. I call it a bliss attack, like the opposite of a panic attack. Where I started crying, but it was like a happy, and mm. I felt at that moment that your my body uh, through intuition or whatever you want to call it is like GPS for oh, yeah. for truth and for alignment. And every time I experienced heavily charged negative emotions, that was just my body saying you're off path, mm. you're not aligned. And those bliss attacks were my body telling me you are now completely aligned. Keep going in this direction. So this wasn't int- like not intellectual at all. You didn't no. just do this and re- you were like, this went so well. This was fun. I liked it. It, it was more of an internal right. gut feeling. Gut, yeah. mm. What are, are there other times that you've had bliss attacks? Our, right after, after every the event first event. <laughs> yeah. Literally. And, and seeing transformation happen within people in the Archangel tribe and seeing connections happen. Like I love connecting people who can help each other. I love connecting people to resources or wisdom they need. Yeah. Um, I've been, and here's the funny thing about that. Uh, Do you know Lisa Ferguson? Yeah, I know that. Yeah. She's in Mastermind Talks as well. So she, she helps people uncover what their gifts are and what their strengths. And and she told me that, you know, based on our conversations, I feel that your gifts are this, this and Mm -hmm. connecting people or being a connector. Yeah. And 
I was like, what are you talking about? That's not a thing for me. Uh, like Jason's an right. amazing. Right, I, right. I'm, and then I realized over time that sometimes the things that we are really, really good at are our unique abilities or our gifts mm. are so normal to us. We just assume everyone's like that. Yeah. It's a good point. And sometimes you need that external. Like kind of validation. Right. Of, of somebody else telling you like, you're amazing at this. Right. right? And once you have, once the there's a paradigm shift to believing, oh, maybe I am good at this. Right. And you actually invest in that thing, mm. then it explodes. So now I'm heavily investing in connecting things. You know, I was talking to Philip McKernan about this actually in the Bahamas, not about this specifically, but ju just about how we can tell ourselves or other people tell us things that we don't realize about ourselves. Like if you tell a kid, like you can tell a child, like you're amazing at this. And it's something that will stick with them possibly for the rest of their life. And it'll give them like confidence and belief later on in life that they're amazing at that, which is crazy because you can change, you can literally change somebody's life by just giving them a compliment. Right. And people don't realize like that's all it takes sometimes. It's like a little small, you know, and compliment. The, the danger there is that you can also do the opposite with children. hundred uh, percent. They're so easily right. manipulated almost, right? Where, yeah, you tell you, you're hard on them or you're negative to them and they'll never forget that either. So it's uh it's it's they're fragile i heard this saying once or this quote where what a parent tells their child becomes a child's inner voice uh and we have to be so, i mean this happens to all of us all of our inner critic inner voice crap that comes up that tells you you're not good enough or is usually linked back to stuff that your parents told you even not even maliciously or on purpose but that conversation and until you're conscious of those patterns they affect all of your decisions they affect uh, your emotion and then you know you and i could be in a conversation you might mention a word or a situation that triggers past pain or trauma and i don't realize that that's what's happening it's yeah it's amazing has it has that realization changed how you kind of deal with your kids like or do you do you really watch what you say now I or, not, or just super conscious of it? I'm way more conscious of what I say, but also what I do because they model, right? Um, I remember having a day where I would tell my son, no devices at the table, right. no iPad, no computer. And a minute later, I'd be checking my phone. <laughs> oh my God, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. right? Did they call you out on it? They no, he didn't. But yeah, I okay. realized I, I, I'm completely out of alignment. Yeah. And he's going to be confused because... Oh, yeah. Your daddy's saying this, but he's doing the same. It's like telling your kid not to smoke or drink and you're smoking and drinking. Right. <laughs> Got it. So um, obviously this is the fail on podcast, right? So our fail on is kind of the mantra we live by with the idea of if, if you're not failing, you're not growing. So how do you force yourself to kind of get outside your comfort zone on a daily basis to, to kind of fail on? Wow. I, I have learned that all, or most growth happens outside your comfort zone. Yeah. And the thing that I do now, and again, because when you're outside of your comfort zone, usually you feel some kind of fear. Oh, yeah. And that has to be there. But I used to experience fear as anxiety. Mm. And I, I learned this amazing distinction that fear can be uh, looked at in two ways, either as anxiety or as excitement. Yeah. But it's the exact same chemical process. Interesting. The only difference is the perceived outcome. 
so if you have a negative perceived outcome of the of what could happen, you experience anxiety. If you have a positive perceived outcome, you experience excitement. Oh, like that's, that's interesting. It's cool. I haven't, so, I haven't actually heard that. So every time I I, I force myself to step outside my comfort zone, I, that I say I'm excited. I love. It. I consciously say I'm excited, and it changes the paradigm to almost expect a positive outcome. Mm. Are you speaking on stage at like Archangel? Yep. So is that is that a time where you do you get that feeling or no? Oh, it's really? so, so weird. I huh. I think because I've done so many events, even yeah. though I'm usually backstage, I'm more of the producer. Uh, it's such a I don't know how to even explain this. I wish I could bottle and package what <laughs> happens. That, right? <laughs> I've never been nervous before talking. Oh, it's amazing. I like I even at my my last event, fifteen hundred people. Yeah. I just spoke uh right before Gary V in Vancouver at yeah. Real Talk Summit. And I Nothing, literally right? zero butterflies. Oh. I just get on stage and I, I share. Um it's a, a weird. Even before any event I do. Yeah. Like I Jason and I are good friends and we talk about event production. And he he's like, How are you so yeah, freaking super calm? nervous? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. The only time I felt something was uh I spoke at Philip McKernan's Yeah, one last talk. One last yeah. talk, which and I I went really deep in terms of the kind of stuff that we're sharing today. So if something was different, I, I was like, I, I'm not nervous, but I, I think I'm super excited about the fact that I'm about to go way deep with See, even there, like you you told yourself you're excited and I think that was even subconscious that you just said it right Probably, then. Probably, yeah. So I think that that's, that's cool that you've almost like trained yourself and reprogrammed yourself to whenever you get that feeling, I'm excited. Right. That's amazing. That, that's it awesome. works. Yeah, that's cool. So if you don't get it speaking, like when, when do you actually get that feeling? Like what situations in life actually make that come up? Um, I, I try, like part of what I'm trying to do now is have new firsts. There are things that I don't, care like i don't care to skydive or, or have those massive thrill yeah. type experiences um but i love having new experiences for the first time mm. so i'm always out to look for what that could be do you have any any things on the radar this year that you want to try um the big thing for me now is on the fitness realm i really want to become superhuman mm, like change your like transform your body and right. really get in super fit shape like gymnastics type shape. okay wow and and be able to do things that i know i can't currently do but you know yeah like gymnastics uh, like flexibility moves, right. very cool very cool what's the most painful part of being an entrepreneur to you you're obviously you started a new venture with this um you've got you've got the mastermind in la you do some other events like Archangel, the summit here in Toronto now. Um, huge events too. Uh, what's been the toughest part? Lately, well, see again, I, I, I reframe everything. So I don't... <laughs> it's, that's a superpower actually. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's fun. Like the, uh, I, and another cool distinction, I, I wish I was better at remembering quotes and where yep. they came from, but was not to look at things as problems, but mm. think of them as puzzles. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> because a puzzle yeah. is solvable. Mm. Uh, so right now our current puzzles are uh, team building and, and growing the team and building out systems and growing from uh, like a seven to eight figure model where, where everything that, that what it took to get to where we are now is completely different from what it'll take to get to there. The other thing we're launching this year, and here's, I love the idea of just jumping into things I have no clue about. Yeah. So uh, we want our Archangel Fund to also 
have a micro loan component where entrepreneurs who are starting up or in growth phase where they have epic missions and want to create impact, we can lend them money at either low interest or zero interest. Um, and the way I look at it is I would have donated that money to a charity anyways. Right. I might as well give it to an entrepreneur that might be able to create something sustainable. Yep. I have no idea how to structure this thing, especially... It's a good shift though, going from let's give money directly to charitable organizations to let's give it to an entrepreneur that can that can also create a business, support the business themselves, their families, employees, as well as creating an impact for charitable organizations. Right. It's a cool it's a cool shift there that I don't think many people think about. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so are you looking at it as all kind of debt loan type stuff or are you looking at doing equity type stuff as well? No, for now, just debt and loan. Mm. Uh, three years from now, getting into angel investment and mm. That's the the vivid vision. Sure, yeah. Cameron Harold three years from now. <laughs> yeah. uh, but again, I I know nothing about angel investment. Yep. Even though the original plan for Archangel and why it's even called Archangel is to get into angel investment. Got it. But I, I think that's part of the fun. Like we had, um, I don't know if you know Naveen Jain, the billionaire who just got permission to go to the moon and all that. Right. So we had him at uh, our last event in LA where I interviewed him. Mm. And he says, Part of his fun is that every new venture is in a new industry where he has no experience. That's cool. Because that's usually where you can be the biggest disruptor and make the change and have the creativity to look at things differently. Because you don't know what obstacles are there. Right. Like if you know, if you've been in real estate forever, you have so many you have so many opinions on what can and can't be done. Whereas if I went into real estate, I'd have no idea what my limits or boundaries are, right? right. It's almost like um like James Altucher's latest book, right? Reinvent Yourself, which is along the same lines. You know, he reinvents himself every few years, and I think it's the same. It is. So it's a good point. Yeah, and like the Naveen is currently, like his current project is in space exploration. He has no clue, but now he's doing really well. And the new thing he's launching is in healthcare. He's going to disrupt the health space. Which needs a huge disruption because right. it's a mess. And it has been, it's been the same model forever. So that's, that's, that's awesome. If, so you have a lot of experience across a lot of different, a lot of different things from events to real estate to, to now creating masterminds and curated events and experiences for people. If you had somebody come up to you that wanted guidance and help and mentorship and you saw potential in them, right? And they just needed some kind of direction. They didn't have a business idea. They didn't have anything. And you had to give them one directive or action item to take. What would what would you tell them as a first step? If they didn't know what they wanted to do, they didn't know what they wanted I, to do. They just knew they had something in them. I would tell them to do whatever it takes to uncover what their gifts or strengths or superpowers. I love. I love it. I'm right knowledge. there with you. <laughs> what their superpowers are, um, what their moonshot or epic mission could be what really lights them up what they're passionate about who else is passionate about those same things and who might have the same values and beliefs as them and then just chat with those people that's kind of how i started archangel where i just found other people like me mm. and i would have either small group discussions or take people out for lunch or dinner or coffee and just figure out what's in their head where they want to go and what's preventing them from getting there, and then connecting the dots between how I can help them overcome whatever their challenges are and build it that way. I think one of the biggest struggles is actually 
is actually understanding what your superpower is. Like like you, um, you had somebody else tell you that you're a great connector, and you're like, oh, maybe I am. Right. And then you realize, yeah, it's it's. You look back on your life, and you're like, oh, that there's a lot of commonality there that shows that I've been a great connector. So for somebody that doesn't really know what their strength is or what their superpower is, any recommendations on how they kind of figure that out internally? There's a few th- different things. Like there are the different tests you can do, like Strength Finder and right. uh, Colby, and mm. those. That's maybe a good start. Um, and then ask people close to you to tell you when you're lit up, because your face changes, your energy changes, and what are those topics? What are what are you? What gives you energy to talk about? Maybe even ask them, what do you think my gifts are? What would you come to me for advice on? Or whatever those questions look like. Um, and then see where you're spending your time. Just track your time. Like quantify things. I like that. Um, yeah, kind of on that note of like where you spend your time, I've, this is kind of a side side comment. But um, I've seen some people look at that as how to start businesses. They go through their credit card statement. What am I spending most of my money on? Chances are that's probably a pretty good place to start in yeah. terms of you know where to look at a lot of money's being spent. The other thing you could do is ask where your biggest frustrations are. Like I started everything I've started because I wanted to create the thing I wanted for me that didn't exist yet. So you started by solving your own problems and frustrations. Yeah. If you had to define it, what's failure mean to you? I another fun distinction you'll like is that this is a Dan Sullivan quote. There's either success or there's market research. Mm, I love it. <laughs> so I've always had that in my head since I worked there 15 years ago, mm. where failure is an amazing learning opportunity. And um, Tim Ferriss, I think, talks about this concept where anything you do, you can set it up where every, even the failures, where you're not achieving the initial outcome or goal, yeah. is still an experience to acquire skill or resource or knowledge so that you're actually still always winning even if you're not getting to the goal where you want to get if you set it up the right way you're always better off afterwards right but you have to learn you can't just you can't just go into a blind fail try again fail you have to actually take a learn like sit back analyze why did it fail ask yourself those questions of what could i have done differently and then approach it a different way next time right what what i really like about you is your ability to, like, I even see, like, when I ask a question, I see it in your face because we're sitting here in person. Um, I feel like it almost, there's a switch that almost reframes questions immediately. Like, it goes in through one filter, and then you're like, okay, I'm going to reframe this to be this. How have you been able to develop that? Because I find it really interesting that you call problems, puzzles, etc. Is that something that you've consciously made an effort to do, or is it? Yeah, for sure. And I'm also a word geek. I love etymology i love i literally when, when i hear a word sometimes i'll just go online and say where did that come from it's usually greek or latin based and I, even archangel the name of the business part of where i how i fell in love with it was because the root of it comes from two words atikos in ancient greek which means chief or leader and angelos the word for angel means messenger and i just thought yeah like a, i want to create a tribe of leaders and, and people who have wisdom to share what are you most excited about? I know you have a big vision for Archangel, um, filling, a, filling. What's the arena called again? The Air Canada, Air Canada Center. Center. Yeah, filling that with ten thousand people would be an insane achievement. It'd be really cool. 
and I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you'll do it. I have no doubt. Outside of that, what are you super excited about that's on the horizon? I love dreaming big, especially things that seem impossible, and then figuring out how to make it work. So I'm always excited about that. Uh, like our big, big, big audacious goal is to give away a billion dollars, either as charitable donations, as gifts, as grants, loans, angel investment, whatever that looks like, because the ripple effect will be exponential. Giving away a billion dollars, the ripple effect would be massive, global, worldwide. Thanks so much for, I, I want to respect your time. So thanks so much for coming and sitting down today. You're welcome. I love this. And uh, yeah, I'll catch you next time. Thanks, Jim. All right. You can find Giovanni at giftedentrepreneur.com. He's at Giovanni Marcico on Twitter as well. That's at Giovanni Marcico. And of course, for that spelling, along with the links and resources Giovanni and I discussed, including more information on his events and mastermind, It'll all be found at the page created specifically for this episode. You'll find it all at failon.com slash 008. And as I continue to build out this project with the simple goal of getting people to take action through embracing failure, if you could do one thing to support my cause, I'd sincerely appreciate it. By submitting a rating and review, this will help the podcast become visible to more people. And if you feel it deserves a five-star rating and you leave a review, I'll be sure to mention you by name in an upcoming episode simply as a small way to say thanks. To rate and review the podcast, super easy. Just visit failon.com slash iTunes or failon.com slash Stitcher. Catch you next time. That's all for this episode of the Fail On Podcast. For more resources, show notes, and action items to help you find success in your failures, sign up for our mailing list at failon.com. For more actionable inspiration, we'll catch you next time right here on the Fail On Podcast.